Hi, and welcome to episode 197 of No Crying in Baseball, the No Rocks for Patty episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, it's good to be back. I want to give a big shout out to Junior Potty Mouth last week for taking up the slack and doing mighty fine. And I appreciate that. Actually, there was one thing I meant to comment on because Junior Potty Mouth did say ask how my feelings were about Manny Machado. That's right. Since he was in on the helping save people at Nats Park, which is definitely a great thing to be doing. And, you know, I think the the issue is everybody has problems in life, right? And, wh- and what do you do to bounce back from that? So, so the bottom line is I should look at Manny Machado as a whole and what he has done since then. And I can definitely accept the fact that he and Tatis Jr. and Will Myers and I think a whole bunch of other people who probably weren't as recognized because I think Machado and, and Tatis got a little bit of the, you know, yeah. the, the attention because they're attention getting guys. But stuff was happening in the Nats dugout also, right? Yes, yes indeed. Davies. So I think more people deserve credit. I'm not going to put Machado on a pedestal. I'm going to accept the fact that he's done good things. But I still I just. I still don't like him. So <laughs> I I, get I'm over gonna, it. I'm going to offer this um, strategy mm-hmm. that was given to me when I worked for an advocacy organization, which okay. is in order to be effective, no permanent friends, no permanent enemies. That makes sense. So there you that go. That absolutely makes sense. All right. I will go with that. And, hey, and well, I appreciate, you know, being being told to, to consider it, to, th- to think about that a little bit. While all this was going on, where the heck were you? I was doing a Massachusetts New York route and I you got like to some see of those places. Some of them, yeah. New York <laughs> not so much fun. But in Massachusetts I got to see the Woo Sox, the new stadium of the formerly known as Pawtucket Red Sox. And I was very nostalgic when and I think I, I trashed it on a former episode. I think when they were going from Paw Sox to Woo Sox, just losing the Paw Sox sounded sad and what happened to the bear and all those things. But Woo socks. I am all. I'm so pro woo. You are totally pro woo generally. Yeah, and I mean it's a beautiful stadium. It was a shitty game, and I got to see the junior Red Sox lose to the junior Yankees, and so that wasn't so much fun. But it was an enjoyable experience. Polar Park, I think, is a great uh, name. It's a great sponsor. They have Polar Seltzer all over the place, which is lovely. They had some very good, very local beer right from Worcester, Massachusetts. I think it's Warmtown Brewery, but it was excellent. And they had uh, new season souvenir cups that we have a couple of. So that was all super cool. But the new mascot, and that's, you know, it was sad to lose the the Pawtucket bear, but he looks like Mr. Happy. So I was calling him Mr. Happy, and Mr. Pottymouth said he's not Mr. Happy because that's going to be copyrighted, being the lawyer that he is. And I was like, you can't copyright Mr. Happy. Well, apparently. Oh, sure you yes, can. Yes, you can, of course. Sure of you course, can. you can yeah. copyright Mr. Happy. He is not Mr. Happy. His name is Smiley Ball. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I'm a little that, sad about that. That but... might have been a little bit of a marketing error, but uh-huh. I have a t-shirt now with Smiley Ball that says Woo Socks, and it took me so long to find a t-shirt with both. I wanted the Woo, I wanted the Smiley Ball, and I have both of them. That's a score. That's a yeah. most excellent score. Hey, well, um, I, I did a fun thing um, this past week, too. I, I threw out a first pitch. 
That is amazing. Applause. Yeah. Huge yeah. applause on So that. Here's, here's what happened. You know, I'm a, I'm a host family for our local collegiate wooden bat league for the Thunderbolts. And they were honoring the host families, which I thought might get flowers and get assigned baseball from the player that you host. And it meant so much more because when I arrived, I was informed, oh, by the way, you're throwing out a first pitch. So all of the families threw out a first pitch. Oh, cool. Sort of simultaneously, but not really because they weren't clear on whether we're supposed to do this all at once <laughs> or not. So it was sort of staggered a little bit. I warned our guy who is a pitcher. Well, first I said, I really wish we had known this because then you could have like worked with me a little bit. You know, <laughs> right. I wanted like the, the Jed Bartlett in the West Wing, you know, practice for the first pitch situation. And I was scared that I was going to hurt him, not because I was going to blow one by him, but because I was worried he was going to like, you know, sprain something trying to reach for a ball way out of the strike zone. Right before a big game. Yeah, yeah. But as it turned out, I threw a strike. Now it was from like nice. 20 feet away, but man, right in the glove. It was very satisfying. That is awesome. And nobody took a picture, video? Uh, yet to be determined because um, I'm not in charge of this yet. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. I know. I know. <sighs> On today's show, welcome to the Cleveland Guardians. It's Women in Baseball Week. We've got boyfriends, including future boyfriends like Adley Rutschman and former boyfriends like Kiki Hernandez and some right in between. We've got updates on the Oakland Coliseum. Bear with me. It's complicated. We've got biscuits and kimchi because why not? The police blotter includes death threats and the same old, same old stuff. International baseball expands to include the Olympics. And we've got a tiny, tiny little COVID cross-training report. That is some huge baseball that we're covering. That's That was... Expansive, I would say, an expansive intro. We should really stick to baseball, shouldn't we? Sure thing. Yes, we should. All right. Hey, so you might remember that I'm a Cleveland girl, and I have quite an investment in what happens to the Cleveland baseball team. You might, I may have mentioned that. I've heard it. As you also may know, I was a big proponent for the Cleveland Rocks as the new name for the team for many reasons, one of them named Ian Hunter, but that didn't happen. But you know what? I'm okay with where it turned out. The only downside is it really needs footnotes for the rest of the world to understand it. Right. Okay, so the Cleveland team, starting in the next year, the 2022 season, is going to be called the Cleveland Guardians, which a lot of people who didn't read the footnotes are like, oh, God, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. That's stupid. That's stupid. Well, if you're a Clevelander, or if you take a lot of extra time to read the footnotes, <laughs> you think this really does make sense. There are famous Art Deco statues on the Hope Memorial Bridge that's basically a gateway into the city of Cleveland that are called the Guardians of Transportation, and they are fantastic. They are beautiful. There's, there's four pylons. They're like 80 feet tall. Each of them has a front. like It's like two guardians facing out, which is eight total guardians. They're all holding different means of transportation from um, like hay you know hay wagons to trains to um to trucks and all that in between so they're supposed to symbolize progress these guardians also frame the ballpark if you're going into town there you know the view is the ballpark absolutely centered that is perfect uh, you know from this bridge so it's really beautiful it symbolizes progress it's tied to the history of cleveland it's really actually pretty cool. The bridge that they're on is called the Hope Memorial Bridge. It used to be the Lorraine Carnegie Bridge, which is named for the roads that it connects. But Harry Hope, father of comedian Bob Hope, huh. famous wow. Clevelander, was a stonemason that worked on the bridge. So in the 80s, they renamed it the Hope Memorial Bridge, which also is kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Um, some of the other favorite names apparently were tossed around, but there were trademark issues. 
So just because somebody says, sure, would like to have the Cleveland Rocks, I don't know if that was one of the ones that had trademark issues. Probably was because of the Rockies and all of that stuff. But, you know, that does kind of narrow down all of this. The announcement was made with this very um, super produced video with Tom Hanks doing the narration. And if you want to know why Tom Hanks, it's because... Cleveland gets you sometimes. Like, he was an intern with the Lake Area Shakespeare Company, hmm. like, in the 70s. Wow. And so he spent some formative years rooting for the Cleveland baseball team, and he's still a fan. So when you've got Tom Hanks as a lifetime fan of your your team, it's I think it's okay to invite him to announce that, you know, we are all the Guardians. The talking points were stuck to, like, glue by everyone, especially the... Cleveland is the most important part of our identity. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about the former name and yeah. talking about the future names, like, okay, the city is the important part. This is who we are. This is where we're from. Everybody stuck to it. The general managers, the media people, the, you know, every, anybody that got quoted anywhere stuck to that, like Lou, which was pretty good media training. Yeah. I'm saying. So that, I was pretty okay with that. And now I've got to do some serious shopping. I saw a promo video, and that totally came across. People were very earnest. My only criticism that it was not a diverse group that they interviewed. There was only one person in the whole video who wasn't white, and I'm thinking that doesn't reflect Cleveland. Yeah, they, they I think, tried to make up with that with some of the images that they interspersed okay. with that showing a much yeah. more diverse population. And if you look at... Um, A couple of weeks ago, I talked about this whole website they had devoted to what this process is, and they have bunches of the interviews that they did. And it was a very diverse population. They could have done a better job, absolutely, for the shortened one choosing. But I don't want that to be confused with not having a diverse group of input. That's But good. definitely, they, they could have done that That's better. Good. So it was just the editor who had a problem. It was, it was just the yeah. editor. But I'm excited about the Guardians. I think, you know, it makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. Lots of jokes about, well, the end of the name is the same. So people can just use like masking tape over the, you know, IND part and yeah. put, the, put the guard on there. Um, so I'm all in and I, I have some gear to buy. Yeah. And well, I just have to say also a shout out to my CPBL friends that CPBL Twitter was all excited because the Fubon Guardians are one of the now five teams in the CPBL. And they were like, you know, yet again, the CPBL has got it going first. And I didn't write down the names, but there are brothers where there's one in Cleveland and one in Fubon, like actually yeah, playing you, now. Yeah, Yu Chang, who plays for Cleveland right now, who is terrific. He's also spoken out a lot about attacks on Asians in this country. Um, he's so he's 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 very vocal about social justice things. He's got a very cute baby who also features heavily in his um, in his social media, and he's a really good player on the Cleveland team. So he, he checks a lot of boxes. So he's definitely in a potential boyfriend category. But he posted, yeah. So I, I you know I I play for the team that's becoming the Guardians, and my big brother plays for you know the other Guardians. So, so yeah, so yeah, so the Fubon Guardians were first for um, a baseball name, but the the bridge was built in 19, opened in 1932. So I think those Guardians may predate. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that they do. Pretty sure that they do. Oh hey, I want to say Happy Women in Baseball Week to everybody right now. What day is it? It's July 25th, right? Yep, it's July 25th. It is the first officially. Yep, I'm only halfway through the beer. Officially the first day of Women in Baseball Week. So go out there and start following Women in Baseball. There's a lot to check out. Um, We can throw some recommendations in the notes. I'm sure I can do that. But it's also wrapping up a week of girls baseball that happened last week. And I, I just want to put out like a personal apology, especially to any of our friends at DC Girls Baseball for not 
actually showing up because it was in Maryland at the Ripken Complex in Aberdeen. And I had every intention of going until I got this job and I had to work. Like, uh, yeah. Usually yeah. as a teacher, I had summers off and I was all excited to go. But it was Sunday through Thursday, I believe, 18th to 22nd. And it just did not work out, unfortunately. But despite the fact that I missed it, I was following y'all on social media a lot. Over 500 players were there from all over the country, ages 8 to 19, 40 teams and 11 of them new. So this is another example of women and girls in baseball growing by leaps and bounds. You know, we're just, we're at a time when things are happening. This was a 240% increase in participation since it first started in 2015. And of course, this is the brainchild of Justine Siegel. Go way back to our episode 95 when we had the pleasure of speaking with her. And she's been, you know, just dedicating herself to promoting girls and women in baseball. There were a bunch of famous visitors and supporters there, five women from the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League who are still out there, which is amazing because we're talking, I mean, how many years is that? 70 years ago? That's crazy. Just hats off to those amazing women who played baseball professionally. Also, members of the U.S. women's national team were there. The O's mascot made it. The bird was the bird. there to hang out with the girls, which is super cool. And Jessica Mendoza was in Tokyo for the Olympics and videoed in her regards to everybody. And they did everything one plus. You know, it, this is what I love. The more I find out about this um, tournament, over 70% of the umpires were also female. And our friend Perry Barber just tweeted, and I retweeted a picture of the umpire crew, which is fantastic because there can be women in all parts of baseball. We're going to talk in a minute about announcers. One thing I wanted to note was that all of the players, coaches, and staff were numbered 49 on the back of their hats to honor a, a young girl from from Arizona, from the Arizona Peaches, who recently died after a couple of years battling cancer. And she was very young, and I don't have her exact age, but there were a lot of tributes to her that were really beautiful. So I just think, you know, when tragedy strikes, it's so difficult, and to have community come together, and we've seen that happen in major leagues when there's a horrible loss. So to see this group come together is really beautiful. Um, hats off to Evolution Girls Baseball, who took the championship in the 19 and under, right? I got it right this you time. You got it right. 19 and under division. And I think it's fascinating. They're the four-time champs, but they they don't apparently play together that often. They're from ca uh, California, Colorado, and Nevada. 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 <laughs> right. Friends, right. friends call me Nevada. <laughs> So actually, let me break in about that. So what this tournament is really good at mm -hmm. is if you don't sign up as a team, but you are a girl who wants to play baseball with other girls, you can show up basically as an individual and other teams will take you on and like make you an honorary member of that team for this tournament. So that's why you end up with these teams that have girls from lots of places, which I think is really cool because yeah. a, most, so many places don't have opportunities for girls to play on a team with other girls. Yeah. This creates that. Yeah. It, there's this young girl who is a social social media boom from Canada. Her name's Ashlyn. 
And she didn't have a team. There were no Canadian teams. Maybe that's going to happen in the future. But she came down and played with the Boston Slammers just so she could play with the girls' team. She plays baseball year-round. Well, whatever. It's season baseball season round in Canada. But wanted to play with girls. So came down to do that even though it meant she had to quarantine two weeks going back and couldn't play baseball for that time. But just to have this kind of environment is amazing. Uh, DC Force, hats off to They came so close to winning it all. They lost in extras, 7-6 to six against Evolution. And uh, Paloma uh, Benach was pitching, and I think pitched something like seven innings on one run, I, I believe, like did really well, like hung in there till you know, almost the end. And DC Force did take 12 and under. Unfortunately, on the website, I couldn't find anything today that had like a rundown of all the divisions and who plays first, second, and third. But as soon as I find anything about that, I will post it. And just, you know, to, to keep this torch going, another thing that Baseball is for All is doing, and recently they announced this big push to get women's baseball in college, and they're going to be hosting the first Women's College Baseball Invitational at Sanitary University in August, and this is jump-starting having club baseball on the college level at 10 places across the country. And the goal, of course, is to see women's college baseball as an NCAA-sanctioned sport, and I, I think that's doable. I think it is too. And this is how you get there. Um, people always say, you know, if you can see it, you can be it. So right. you need a role model. You need somebody to look at that's like you in some way that says, okay, if they can do it, I can work hard and I can do this too. And this that's why this is growing exponentially because it's a lot easier for girls to see it right. so they can be it from now on. I want to add to what Potty Mouse said about, you know, here's some people to follow and read up on and all that. You can also speak up. Yeah. You know, are you a girl or a woman who plays baseball, who loves baseball, who wants to talk about baseball, who wants a job related to baseball? Go for it. Go for it. We have interviewed so many women at, who do so many different things yeah. in and around baseball on this show who just said, just just do it. Just go for it and do it. You know, this week is a way to highlight some of that. But there are opportunities year-round, and you can just find them. And if you need help finding them, contact us because we have a lot of people that we've talked to in the past that might be able to hook you up with. Here's where you go for more about this. Absolutely. Do it, please. Yeah, International Women's Baseball Center. Follow them because they're the ones organizing this week. So there is your first stop. And speaking of women who have done stuff like that, this past week, I became very unexpectedly emotional when I listened to the O's Rays game on Tuesday with the full slate of women broadcasters. So that's Melanie Newman, who's the, the usual O's broadcaster doing the play-by-play. She's amazing. I'm definitely going to be listening to more O's games just to hear her. Sarah Langs, who is incredible on Twitter, just such a source of so much information, also writes for MLB.com. She was doing analysis color. Uh, Alana Rizzo was an on-field reporter, and Heidi Watney and Lauren Gardner, I actually didn't see it all. They're co-hosts, and I think they did like a pre-game stuff or post-game. So I can't speak to them, but to the other three women, just the the level of facts and what they were saying and how they were speaking, it, they were so much better than so many <clears throat> Joe Buck uh, <laughs> baseball commenters out there. And... It was dismissed, you know, a lot of people, and I understand the criticism. There, there were a couple levels of criticism. One is, uh, why wasn't there more diversity, racial diversity, which is a, a huge point. Uh, Alana Rizzo is Cuban, and that was not mentioned a lot. 
and she's a fluent Spanish speaker. I think she's U.S. born, but Cuban descent. Um, yeah. So um, I just raised my hand because yeah. I'm, I'm working with a teacher here, and it actually worked. I just want to say, is anybody asking this about the men's broadcasting right. teams? Right. Because, I mean, there are some that are diverse, but there are... Not many. Can back to you know, Joe Buck and, and Smoltz, right? I mean, come on, no one is. We criticize them for many things, but no one ever brings up. Well, I don't see people bring up lack of diversity in that either. So this is one of those cases where if it's women, the standard is higher. Yeah. And and yes, and I am good with like reaching a higher standard. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. We would the next time let's yes. do it right. But I also feel like this is an important thing to acknowledge as well. And then another thing that they never mentioned with men that was constantly being mentioned was their appearance. There was a lot of commentary about what they were wearing and their hair and who was more attractive than the other. And just fuck all that. Just listen to these really brilliant women. They were fantastic. I didn't know that the NHL, NFL, NBA, and Major League Soccer have already all done this. Oh, sure. Where was I? I'm, I'm not I'm under not sure, a rock. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. Well, you you know you 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 focus more on baseball, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I'm, but I'm glad. Like this is it's exciting. I'm glad that this is this is changing. And one of the cutest clips to to close that I saw on Twitter was a close up of Kelvin Gutierrez and Anthony Santander, who I'm guessing are both not playing right now on the O's, but they were like in the dugout. And Kelvin pointed out this is the first time the entire broadcast broadcast team is all women, and they were speaking in Spanish. And Santander responded, "That's very important." Women have to continue to carve out their place. They're smarter than we are anyway. And they were caught, like, they didn't know they were being recorded. And, of course, that clip is being retweeted, and I'll definitely put a link to that because they're just, they're adorable. Yeah. Oh, hey, so adorable means we all get to drink. Oh, good. So I'm cheers thirsty. to that. Yep. But also, one more thing about um, about the O's and about women. Um, Patty Mouth and I were at the O's Nationals game yesterday, and the public address announcer for this entire year, um, Adrienne Robertson, uh, you know, she's the the first woman to do the public address um, announcing for the in, in O's history. There are three or four other women who do public address announcing in stadiums, but I don't notice it anymore, and that's good. Yeah, that is good. The, and the thing about the listening to the broadcast, what got me so choked up is in the beginning, it didn't feel too weird because, yeah, you've heard women broadcasters here and there, and they all pointed out in this, there's another interview I saw with them on today where they were all like, you know, th- this is our jobs. This is not a first for us. We right. We've been doing this for a long time. The first is that we're all doing it together, and when I handed it off to somebody else, that voice was also a woman. And that's the part that unexpectedly choked me up because all of a sudden I realized, wait, this is all women. That's, Mm -hmm. it was really something. And I don't, you know, I'm not saying that that's what it has to be all the time everywhere, but it was a powerful moment. And I think and hope that a lot of women will will look at that and say, yeah, yeah, I can do that. The equivalent to that is the, the girls who play on girls baseball teams all girls teams who also play on little league teams or their high school teams where they are the only girl right and they and you know they do both of those things and they will tell you that it feels different yeah it feels different and and you know it's kind of it's important to do the one because you need to open up opportunities and it's important to do the other because these are people who are like me and they get what it is to be like me which is very very cool yeah, I was I was impressed yeah. with. Um, and they're so good. They're just I, I could listen yeah. to Melanie Newman 
all the time. Yeah. So sharp. Yep. So composed. And, and, and I, yeah, yeah. And this is another one of those things where I just want to assume they're going to be good. Yeah. And, um, and we, I think we do now, yeah. well, and, but, it, but it's still, you know, it's still, oh, this is something new that's happening and I wish it would stop being new. Absolutely. And, and probably, and, and the reality is they had to be extra super good to get to this, their point. Yeah. Yep. Right. Higher standards. Yeah. Hey, back to that um, O's Nats game that we were at yesterday, because I realized something important is that I will only see Ryan Mountcastle hit a home run in person if I'm there with Potty Mouth and Potty Mouth <laughs> goes to the concession stand. So this that seems was, to be the combination of things that needs to happen for me to see Matt Castle hit a homer in person. But, you know, and my my attitude, I was really happy to see John Lester pitch for the Nats. Not so happy to see the O's win. But if he had to give up a run, it was good that it was to Trey Mancini. So so that was the second time I've seen John Lester pitch in the week. The Earlier in the week, I went to the Nats game at Nats Park, and he pitched. He pitched yesterday um, in place of Max Scherzer, who was out with a, like a tricep situation. But when I saw Lester pitch earlier in the week, which was my first game to Nats Park after the shooting, it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. We're very jaded. It was like, yeah, no one here is worried about this because it's already happened. So just want to get that out there. We were right. safe. We were fine. We walked right through that intersection because that's where we park. That's our route. And it was fine. And I feel funny about being fine, you know, as far as like safety and all of that. Right. But the important thing about Lester there is um, Mr. Pottymouth and I were talking about the DH and we have very different <laughs> opinions about it. Yes. We, were, we were talking about it with a friend of ours who's kind of new to learning about baseball. And he asked about pitchers pitching. And Mr. Pottymouth had the Pottymouth family line, which is, <laughs> which is the American League line. And I yes. had the, you know, the National League line. And right then, you know, Lester had a really super sharp single. And I was like, see? And... Mr. Patty Beth pointed, okay, but that only happens some of the time. And then Lester hit a, a, a home run, a two-run homer <laughs> right. later. But the important thing about that home run is that he, John Lester, is the oldest pitcher to homer since one of our favorites, Big Sexy, oh, in 2016. Wow. So that was kind of fun. Um, other old guy news, uh, Nelson Cruz went to the Rays this week. I am and, not happy about that. Uh, just, well, I'm not happy <laughs> in that it was just in time for the Rays versus Cleveland. And so he homered right away in his first game against my Cleveland team. And then on, and today he also homered again. Jeez. But he became the second oldest Ray to hit a home run. And Wade Boggs yeah. is the oldest to it do that. It was his 3,000th hit. And um, super young guys. God, we're really, I'm really O-centric today. But um, Adley Rutschman, who will be my boyfriend next year for the O's, I have I claimed him two years ago for next year. I'm just saying in one game this week, homered from both sides of the plate. So I'm feeling good about, you know, having Adley on the list for soon. Yeah, well, it was good to see you happy at the O's yesterday. <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing about when we go to O's games is somebody is going to be happy. And talking about our baseball boyfriends, I'll do a little spiel for anybody who might be joining us for the first time. The way that Patty and I spend our off season is we pick guys, one per team. Each of us get a different guy. It's all we do in the off season. It is. It really Every is. Every minute. Yeah. Check out guys and decide who's <laughs> going to be the one that we want. And it's because of something beyond the field. There's something cool about them that we just connect with. And as you get to know Patty and I, you will understand how we each sort of pick the personalities of our dudes. And she has Nelson Cruz. And once upon a time in our first season, I picked Kike Hernandez, who is like, you guys might be sick of this, but I am on the border of Kike obsessed at this point. Wait, you, the border is in your rearview mirror. Right. You are so you are so far in. 
And I'm okay with that because yeah. you're perfect for each other. You really are. Yeah. And I mean, lo- sorry, Mr. Potty Mouth, but if you weren't in the picture, I would, you know. And the, and the thing is, I picked him when he was on the Dodgers. So when he came to the Red Sox, it was it was a reason for me to start admiring the Red Sox again deeply. You know, dealing with the stuff with Alex Cora and Verdugo, and but I can watch Kike. And yesterday he got a leadoff inside the park home run, which was actually really a triple in an error, but still, but still against the uh- Yankees. Unfortunately, the Yankees had a super nutty comeback against Odovino, and they they ended up winning, and Kike ended the game with a strikeout. So that part was a little bit of a bummer. And today, I'm praying that while we're recording, something miraculous happened, but Domingo fucking Herman was pitching a no-hitter when we started recording, and I just realized that we needed to change something. We started recording. I'm hoping somebody did something about that because... That just kind of sucked. You had cheered up so much until just then, and yeah. you had to go there. Yeah, you all right. Well, there. I can go back to Kike. Kike, Thursday <laughs> against the Yankees, tied up the game in the ninth inning, and he was really funny about like how loud it was at Fenway. And Fenway is a small park, but we we are very. Um, I don't know, have a lot of character and vibrancy. And he said it had not been as loud since he was there last time when he was a Dodger, and then it wasn't quite as much fun. But uh, And that game, the Red Sox won in the 10th inning after a very sad performance by a young Yankees pitcher who uh, let up had four wild pitches, and, and then there was a sack. Like, that's how the, the run got scored. But meanwhile, Kike, yes, back to Kike. In the past week, Kike has been doing well. He's batting three forty five with 10 hits, three home runs, eight runs batted in, and just two strikeouts. That had been his sort of, like, uh, Achilles heel, and it seems like it's getting better. Unfortunately, one of those was that ninth inning thing, but... What can you do? Hey, speaking of loud parks, I just want to note that. So yesterday's game that we went to at Camden Yards was, you know, it was O's versus Nationals. So the teams, you know, are basically a 45-minute drive apart. So it was the most crowded ballpark I have been in, you know, since the before times. And it was loud in such a fun way. It was. I mean, everybody was into it. There was very little... Um, like competitive hissy buoy stuff. It was more like fun competitive stuff. And it just like the music was loud. The people were loud. It just seemed like a good time. I was a little freaked out when we were leaving because it was yeah. kind of a crush of people then. But other times in the park, it felt okay. But it was like, I remember this. Yeah. I remember this exciting vibe in the ballpark and it was really nice to have it back and it was nice to see it it was predominantly O's fans like I don't know I've seen a lot of Nats fans taking credit on social media but when I was I mean we had a pretty good view from up above it looked really orange to me and I just want to give credit to O's fans because I think they get a lot of shit and there was a lot of O's spirit and the O's whoever does the videos and the hype stuff is really on point it, yeah, it was well done. Yeah, and um, just for the record, I followed the algorithm that I have set for myself, which is when all things are equal, as in my love for the O's and my loves for the, love for the Nats, you root for the home team. Yeah. So I, I um, although I did have a World Series cap on, I, I did have my <laughs> O's hat on, you know, metaphorically. So there you go. Hey, let's go to Oakland for a second while we still can. Um, I'm going to catch you up a little bit. I think I understand what's happening with the A's trying to have a new baseball park built um, at the port of Oakland. And there was a a vote at um, city council this past week. It's still a mess. It's still Mm. a mess, but it's, um, it was a lot of conversation 
all the time about public funding of ballparks. And interestingly, the A said, no, no, we're going to fund the ballpark. But the ballpark is $1 million out of a $12 million proposed development. So if you fund the $1 billion ballpark, there's still a lot of change that has to be made up with in other ways. So so it's like, yeah, it sounds good that you're saying it's, you know, you don't want public funding for that, but you still require a lot of public funding. We're talking billions? Billions of dollars. Billions. But, you know, but it's a, it's a development. So, I mean, yeah. like, there'll be investors and all of that, but still. So interestingly, even after this vote where the council said, here's here are the general the general financing framework we're willing to go with. So they're like they they have proposed something that would get things to move forward. The A's are still pissy about it. The ownership, the ownership of the A's. I'm not talking about the players. I love these guys. This is the ownership that we're talking about. They are still on a parallel track with moving the team to Vegas. Oh wow! So they are working. All, you know this this whole city council thing and this public funding stuff. At the same time, they're making multiple trips to the Las Vegas Strip with architects to sketch out well here's a spot and here's a spot and actually okay i'd rather the a's didn't get yanked but boy i would love an expansion team yeah in vegas on the strip because oh my god how cool right. is that like integrated with all the crazy casino and whatever <laughs> but there's interesting stuff happening so i read some things in like the bay area papers and i read some nevada stuff and the nevada stuff they're concerned about what their investment would be too because they had, they put a lot of money into like when the Raiders moved there, and then developing the Golden Knights and all of this stuff. And Vegas is funded completely on tourism. And hello, pandemic. Oh, you right. Know, so like things. Oh well, it's just a hotel tax or a rental car tax or you know whatever it is, and those taxes that you know income went at the bottomed out. There's also a concern which I think is small about replacing one tourism thing with another like people will go to baseball instead of a casino i don't know how much overlap that is i think they would get a new set of people there'll be some overlap i mean i'd probably go to both but um but i think so you know you get all these families in there that you're not getting to go to casinos so it's interesting that they've got a set of concerns in vegas and there's this whole boatload i may say boatload because it's the port of oakland of concerns (laughs) in in the bay area right yeah um so the, the the A's want the city, which means the taxpayers, to pay for like this offsite infrastructure stuff, like making it safe for pedestrians, make, you know, funneling the traffic, where the car's going to go, is there public transportation, all of that stuff. And the city was like, oh, no, oh, no. And then the city said, okay, we can fund part of that. Turns out, God bless you, Politico. Here we are sticking to sports. I'm now referencing Politico and Forbes magazine. The state of California very quietly approved $280 million from the state general fund to go to the port of Oakland, not to the A's, but to the port of Oakland to fund ill-defined, in, ill-defined infrastructure stuff. Huh. Like it's up to like the port to decide what this is. So the city could technically use that. That's, you know, state funds instead of city funds to pay for this infrastructure stuff that the A's want somebody else to pay for. So, they said no to the A's who wanted a tax break on some development they would do off-site. So it's, it's super complicated. What, what's definitely happening is the A's keep saying, oh, good, you're giving us what we want. We're still not happy. Huh. So they, a lot of people just say, if you just want to go to Vegas, just frickin' say you're going to go to people Vegas and like cut it. bait and stop dragging us along. So it's unclear. It's unclear. I think they're I think they're playing one side against the other um, in Vegas and you say, who's going to give us the sweetheart deal? And that's what we're going to do. Yikes. 
So, yeah. I'm, I'm so still, it would be infrastructure to get people to the ballpark. Yeah. So that's how it kind of Yeah, so this, this, this $12 billion development is going to have housing and retail and other entertainment venues. It's going to have a lot going on. It's like, you know, um, like Baltimore's Inner Harbor, but on steroids or like the waterfront. But, you know, but like, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. but like that, the mixed use, vibrant sort of city center kind of thing, which includes a ballpark. And that involves how you get people there en masse and, and safely. So there we go. All right. Well, I hope to be able to visit this new ballpark wherever it may be. I want to see Potty Mouth in Vegas so much. Oh, that would be fun. So Last time much. I went there, I got arrested, but that's a whole what? other. That was it's a very bad. It was it was for a protest at the new, at the Nevada test site, and but we flew into Vegas. <laughs> right. I, you should have left that a mystery. You should have left that I, a yeah, mystery. Yeah, I could have. I got, got arrested in Vegas. I got arrested outside of Vegas. Um, but oh, meanwhile, well, now who hasn't really? <laughs> right, right. That was a long time ago. Yeah, I'm going to talk about minor leagues for just a moment. Uh, the fun cup is what we've talked about before, la Copa de Diversión, or what do they call it? I think that's what it that's is. It. And uh, and actually, when I was at the the Woo Sox, their fun cup alter ego is the Worcester Wepas. Wepa, which is very cool because Wepa is just like an exclamation, especially very Puerto Rican that you just sort of say for hey. Um, but the Montgomery Biscuits have done their own thing. This is the Rays Double A. Where? Is it Alabama? It's in Alabama. Okay. Montgomery, Lots Alabama. Montgomery's. Okay. Yep. And they became the Montgomery Kimchi <laughs> on July 16th. And for those of you who don't know, kimchi is like a fermented cabbage that's key for Korean food. And in Korean food, you just put kimchi on everything. And this was a, a nod to the Korean community, which I was not aware of in Alabama. They partnered with a group called A-Keep, the Alabama Korean Education and Economic Partnership. And they did it right. They incorporated elements of Korean culture into everything that they did at the ballpark that day. And then afterwards, they auctioned off the game jerseys to benefit A-Keep. And these jerseys are so cool. So the numbers on the back were kimchi like they have little leaves tucked over the top of the numbers so i would like go to the montgomery biscuits site and check out their swag because kimchi swag is a good thing did they at any point say the phrase we're gonna pickle your biscuits <laughs> no i don't know i, I don't mean, know I, sh I should get paid big big bucks for this kind you, of you stuff totally i think should. pickling your biscuits is the right way to refer to this absolutely yeah, yeah and i'm gonna like a kimchi biscuit sandwich thing sounds some there bad. must have been sounds yeah bad. Did, um, i'm yeah Okay. Yep. <laughs> oh, man, following that with the police blotter is tough. Ooh, but here we yeah. go, because there's really crap stuff today. We have talked about similar issues before, but this one um, is near and dear to me because Nick Whitgren is one of my relief pitchers on my Cleveland squad. Oh. And he had a horrible outing this past uh, Friday against the Rays. Every outing that Cleveland has had recently against the Rays has ended badly yeah, and usually in the last minute. And it, it was on Nick's shoulders because when he got into the game in the ninth inning, they were tied. The Cleveland team was tied with the Rays, and he gave up five runs. The Rays ended up winning 10-5. Uh. to five. So um, some very classy people on the Twitter machine started sending death threats death threats to a relief pitcher this is a game people to nick to his wife ashley and also referencing their children they are horrible a lot of them got you know uh, uh, screenshots got reposted by nick and by ashley who said okay you know this stuff is horrible and you need to know that this we're not the only people this happens to this happens a lot and it needs to stop ashley said y'all i get it my husband had a bad day at work 
Right. But sending both of us very explicit death threats aimed at him, me, and our children is absolutely inexcusable. And she's right. There's no question. Yeah. There's no question. I would like to see um, these people gone after because, I mean, threats online is a thing, right? I mean, they should be able to. That's not okay, my friends. It's not okay. It was a bad day at the office. When you have a bad day at the office, do people want you dead? Probably not really. Probably yeah. not really. And and hats off to these wives on Twitter for, for sticking up on that because Jessica McCann did that. Brian McCann's, yeah. uh, James McCann's wife did that also. And it's just, right, what, crazy. Why? Why? Oh, gosh. And um, back to our um, uh, domestic abusers. Uh, Starlin Castro of the Nats had his administrative leave extended for seven days until the 29th of July because investigations um, continue. Um, there have been no details oh. about that, which I'm okay with. Um, and again, this is like the one area where I feel like I trust Major League Baseball huh. because they've, you know, they have, they have gone, they have, um, you know, I- imposed consequences where the legal system could not. So, you know, again, Baby freaking steps, but right, and and and, and hats off to, to Mike Rizzo for for t- towing the line with the Nats and saying nope, we're yep, it's not coming back, not coming back. This is unacceptable. We don't do this. This is not who we are. Yeah. You're out. Um, meanwhile, uh, Trevor Bauer had his uh, appeared in court for a hearing regarding the restraining order, the one that's going to you know make it permanent because it's a temporary restraining order. Um, it got moved to August second hmm. um for more time to you know develop the suits and interesting well speaking of suits this is the one time that um men's appearance got mentioned in multiple articles it was huh. noted that he was wearing a maroon suit who the hell cares yeah who the hell cares but we know this is like the, that he was wearing a maroon suit yeah not the time um, to mention the, it. the more interesting things that that he will not testify even though he had said he would be willing to but like nope there's a police investigation you're not saying a word because this hearing is about about the restraining order period but also it's going to be a multiple day hearing with tons of witnesses which is unusual and so that's it's kind of a surprising thing that they're doing all that. And then wow. the, the L.A. Times piece that I read about this also had things that um, they were talking about the vetting process that uh, Bauer went through when the Dodgers were going to bring him on. Uh. And it was pretty thorough based on when they listed the really? categories of people. But I wanted that question that first got asked about the Mets. It was like, OK, we're, no, it wasn't. It was Mickey. Yeah, it was Mickey Callaway. It's like, were any of these people women? Right. They, and I, that never came up, but I would love really? for that to come up. Because, you know, sure, you talk to six zillion people, were any of them women? And also, the LA Times thought that it was important to note that the Dodgers, if he does get suspended for real, not an administrative leave, that the Dodgers will benefit from the salary relief. Well, thank God. I, because they've dealt with the situation so well. And another thing that I saw today really briefly, and I don't remember where it was, but basically that how the fuck could this possibly end? Because if... By some chance, he does get to pay, play baseball again. The clubhouse is not going to be in his favor. They're because, already not. Yeah, exactly. No one's getting no support from any of his right. any of his coworkers. No one's speaking up for him. He's no, out. Nobody's going to like being yeah. with him. Yeah. So that's going to be super shitty. All right. From super shitty to super happy, I think. Well, not 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 that happy, but I just wanted to give a little nod to the CPBL because it's playing again. That's the... The, That's happy. Yeah, the Chinese Professional Baseball League is what it's called, but it is the Taiwanese League people. Taiwan, there should be, it should be TPBL, but you know, politics. politics. Yeah. And every team gets a few p- foreign uh, players, 
And Mitch Lively has been the loveliest member of the Brothers. And the Brothers is, to me, is sort of like, you know, my feelings about the Yankees, shall we say. But Mitch Lively, to me, would be sort of my Mariano Rivera, like the one guy that I still kind of really liked. And last year, he was injured during the season, and so he did a little bit of the support of the English language commentary. I heard something. He was so good. He was so much fun to listen to. Such a nice dude. Such a nice dude. And he's a really good example of somebody who's in it for the baseball because he's a pitcher of the world. Like he spent some time in the minors organizations for the Rockies, the Giants, and even the Nats, which I didn't realize. But in the minors, didn't make it up for any of those teams. Went to Japan for, I think, a year and then Mexico for several years and then signed with the brothers, the CTPC brothers, in 2018. Had a couple of banner seasons. He was in the All-Stars in 2019. And then last year hurt, and then this year just didn't. I mean, he's getting up there. I think he's like 35, which is that, you know, that pregnancy danger warning year, which is the same. (laughs) I think it carries over to to baseball. Um, His ERA was over eight, and so they let him go. But I just wanted to mention him because he's a brother that I can get behind. And speaking of that all-star game, they didn't have it last year, and they're not having it again this year, which is kind of sad because now that I'm getting to know the players from the different teams, I would love to see them together. But I'm happy to report that my Lions are in first place, knock on something, because it's mighty close with the brothers at their heels and then Monkeys, who just had a killer game over the Guardians today. And the dragons taken up the bottom. But if you like baseball in your morning, check out the CPBL. Or if you like baseball in your morning, check out the Olympics. The Olympics is coming. Uh, I'm a little nervous because I'm going away this week and I'm not so sure about our reception. And it starts technically on July 28th, but it's really the night of the 27th here. I think, yeah, it's 11 o'clock at night here is the DR against Japan opener. And I would love to see that game, although the game that I'm really aching to see and hoping, and I think it's on the 29th, is DR Mexico. Oh, yeah. Which would be super fun. And so many, like, names and faces that you will recognize are on there. So the way this works, because, you know, this is baseball coming back to the Olympics after several years off, several seasons off, seasons, Olympics, whatever they are, the, the cycles, several cycles off. We have two groups. We have six teams. We have Group A, which is Japan, Mexico, and the Dominican Republic, and Group B, which is the United States, Israel, and Korea. How they all got here, I have explained in previous episodes. Go back and listen. Yep. (laughs) And uh, what's going to happen is in the group stage, each team will play another team. So each group will have three games, six games total, and they're going to calculate it by just wins and losses for who moves on to the knockout stage. And then the knockout stage is six rounds, including a round to determine gold. And then, of course, there's got to be the bronze round as well. So it's uh, it ends August. Did I write the end date in here? Yeah, it goes at, so July 20th to 31st is the group stage, and then knockout is after that. So I know I'll be back for the knockout. So I'm hoping, I don't know, I don't want anybody to get knocked out. I'm, I want to watch all these <laughs> I want to see them all playing forever. And, and just um, don't feel bad for Potty Mouth possibly not being able to see these games because she's going on vacation. She's going on a fun yeah, little getaway. So it's not like, oh, God, I have to oh, work no. all this time and can't watch baseball. It's like, well, will I have fun doing this or will I have fun doing that? So um, I hope you get to watch baseball as part of it. But That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty yeah, cool. And I, and I hear they have things like video recordings and stuff. I'm sure I'll yeah. be able to. Yeah, just, Catch just, up just go into like a media um, blackout right. so you won't, yeah. 
Yeah, which is usually very easy to do yeah. with baseball. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, I have only one quick thing to say in the COVID report, which is actually a cross-training thing with the Yay. NFL. I am so impressed with the NFL, which I say very rarely. Unvaccinated NFL players will be subjected to a fine of $14,650 every time they violate COVID-19 procedures. Wow. So, yeah, it's your choice not to get vaccinated, but don't you bring that crap near the vaccinated folks and and possibly put the team at risk. If it does, it's going to cost you money flat out. Factor that into your decision making. Ha! How about that? That's why, why didn't baseball do that? I don't know. Can't explain it. Can't explain it. Hmm. Hey, um, when we leave today, I'm going off to collegiate Woo-hoo! baseball playoffs because the aforementioned uh, – to come with Thunderbolts made the playoffs so their first game is tonight it's best of three so um, I'm hoping we get a few more games in because they started out slow but they are on an upswing and I want to tell you one sad but funny story from last night um, my kid works for the Thunderbolts and reported that um, so there was a knockout game to, to play in for um, this elimination game to play in for the the playoffs and we were the home team and the the owner of the team leans over to my kid the assistant general manager and says they're gonna need six trash bags to which my kid says for what you know, when they lost <laughs> and and was told for their uniforms uh, because as soon as you get knocked out you turn in those uniforms and you are done for the season so wow so um yeah. Our, our, we had to provide garbage bags, but then they didn't lose. So no, for the other, no, for the other team. Oh, for the other, they team. had to bring the other team because we were the home team. Oh wow! So the so Thunderbolts, somebody had somebody, to use the garbage bags. Yeah, so that it, yeah, that was the point. Yeah, so the Thunderbolts won, and so the other team needed the garbage bags because <laughs> their players were basically just going to strip off their uniforms, drop them in the bag, and leave. Yeah. It's really an unceremonious way to finish the season. Wow. Yes, but our T-Bolts are not there. They're, they're starting tonight the best of three um, against the Alexandria Aces, and I can't wait to watch. I'm very excited. So I'm thinking, so you're going to watch them tonight in Alexandria, and mm-hmm. I'm not schlepping out there, but tomorrow night I'm going to watch them with you here in Silver Spring, and so that's going to be when they win. That'll be the victory game. So they've got to win tonight so yep. that tomorrow night I can see the victory game before going off to the Hobbit House in Shenandoah. Oh, the Hobbit House. Man, yeah. this is so great. This is so great. You're going to a Hobbit House. Yeah, I will I will provide pictures. <laughs> yes. With or without baseball, there is a Hobbit right. House MCK involved. <laughs> and I love that about you guys. Oh, my God, if you're not going to a Hobbit House or watching local <laughs> collegiate baseball playoffs or going to a ballpark, which I hear are kind of rocking right now, mm-hmm. please feel free to listen to some past episodes. Get caught up with us. Um, leave us a rating or a review if you like. If you have friends that you think would like to listen to us talk about baseball, please do tell them. You can always find us on social media. Yeah, hang us with, out with us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying and B-Ball. And I just realized we have not done our fantasy baseball recap, but just super quickly, we have a fantasy baseball team. Karen, I believe, is still in first place. So go, Karen. And we will go. give you more results next week when we prep better. But Karen's <laughs> rocking it. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. So please get vaccinated. We're not going to charge you $14,000 if you don't, but we're going to wish we could. (laughs) And please fight the man. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. Okay. 
The question is, am I adorable for the video? Because that's, yes. that's important. Yes, absolutely. Right. I like the shirt, the earrings. You've got the whole thing going. 